You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to get you ready for all week seven Sunday action and go round the league with Colleen Wolf of NFL Network. And Brian, let's kick off the podcast with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, I did some research about what Marshawn Lynch could be looking at. ProFootballTalk.com reporting, typical fine for contact with an official, $30,000. Fine for leaving the bench area to enter a fight, $6,000. So, Nick, with that as the baseline, do you think Marshawn Lynch is looking at a suspension for what he did last night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First of all, you cannot come off the field of play, off the sideline, and then engage in physical activity with any player or even touch the, the official. And it's not one of those things where you just came and you bumped him. You can physically see from the television copy, he had a fist full of the official's uniform. So you can't, this cannot be tolerated. Jack Del Rio tried to play it, play it down as much as he, he could. But he also he said himself that, you know, that is something that cannot be tolerated or, or condoned. So it's going to be interesting how, you know, internally the team deals with Marshawn Lynch coming off the field to, I guess, help, you know, Derek Carr, who he felt as though took a shot late on that particular play. But I, I understand it from a teammate standpoint. Here's Derek Carr. You know that uh, everything rides on him being healthy as far as maybe Super Bowl hopes or, you know, just getting into the playoffs. And he's just coming back off of this uh, transverse back injury, and for him to take the shot that he just took, you know, that, that can be upsetting. If Marshawn Lynch is on the field, I can understand that. Still don't bump the ref, but you cannot come off the sideline and engage in any kind of, you know, altercation with, with another player. You just can't do that. When watching some of the feedback from some of the players, Nick, um, players like the, the Derek Cars to the Donald Penn offensive lineman, you heard no resistance or rejection towards uh, how Marshawn Lynch came on the field and did what he did because, one, they understood that trying to protect his quarterback and, two, his cousins on the other side of the field, too, as well. Uh, you sound, it sounds as if guys are more understanding of it. To you, from me to you, do you think this is a distraction on this football team? Well, Mar- see, first of all, Marshawn Lynch is just being Marshawn Lynch. He- he's done a lot of things that a lot of players uh, will probably be called out for. Uh, we know about him, you know, sitting on the bench during uh, the national anthem, and nothing has been said to him in this uh, entire in this whole time. And you know, Marshawn has—we've seen it before in the Super Bowl where he said, "Hey, I'm here." so I don't get fined, and he doesn't really like talking uh, to the media. So, he, I mean, he is his own person. He is his own personality. He, he is wired a little different than uh, most players, players that you play with, players that I play with. But as uh, far as being a distraction, no, I don't think the guys in the locker room are going to feel that way just based on what you just said, how, you know, Donald Penn and Derek Carr felt as though, no, they didn't feel that he did anything wrong. I mean, for me, that's still a problem because – like I said, it's one thing if you're on the field. It's another thing if you come off the sideline. You just you can't do that, and you have to understand this too, Cordell. Uh, it's just the fact that this team you know, was frustrated. You know, they needed a win. It was very a very emotional game in, in the black hole. 
So this, they were charged. There was a scene where I think two weeks ago where Donald Plant Penn is leaving Oakland Coliseum and he gets into an altercation, verbal altercation with you know fans who are calling them out because they're discussing how the team is playing and how the offensive line is uh, blocking for Marshawn Lynch. So they, there's a lot of dysfunction happening in that locker room. So Marshawn Lynch just feeds right into it. So it's not a destruction. It's something that, that they have grown accustomed to in that Oakland Raiders organization. Just another day in Oakland. He's Cordell Seward. I'm Brian Weber taking you around the league with our good friend Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, my co-host this Sunday, every Sunday, first and gold. Join us at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be working even more than normal with nine early games, live listen-ins, taking you to all the big moments as they happen live. No commercials. Upgrade to tune-in premium right now. Nick Cordell and I were just talking about the Kansas City perspective now. Back-to-back losses a week ago, and no surprise, Le'Veon Bell's the top-five running back, but he shredded the Kansas City defense, and we're talking about maybe some issues against the run. Last night, Derek Carr, astonishing numbers. Do you have real defensive questions about the Chiefs now moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you lose a guy like Eric Berry, who – is kind of your quarterback of your secondary. He gets everyone lined up. Uh, he pretty much sets the tone for the, for that secondary. And right now, with him being out of that lineup, you know, everyone is taking shots down the seam. Everyone's taking shots uh, on the outside. So, you know, we're talking about looking at what took place in Arrowhead against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You saw them giving up some explosive plays. You saw, again, Derek Carr with time running out, two-minute drive, and once again, he's able to take advantage of that defense. So if you're Bob Sutton, you're, you're a little worried. There, there were moments in that game where, you know, Coach Sutton rushed three and dropped eight, and Derek Carr was still able to find his open wide receiver. Jerry Cook made an excellent catch. You, we, we might as well say he mossed three of the Kansas City Chiefs secondary guys and put the ball on the one-yard line. You, you, you can't do that. You have to understand uh, game-time situations to set up that catch Jerry Cook made. Jerry Cook set up an earlier catch where he beat one of the defenders across their face. You have to know that you're playing two-man, right? The, the, the Oakland Raiders are in a pressure situation. You have to make sure that no one beats you across your face. At, at best, let him catch the out route. But once again, this talks about the lack of discipline and the Kansas City Chiefs that everyone was talking about, you know, the fact of going to the playoffs, and this may be the year for Alex Smith and Andy Reid, how they, they started hot. But we've seen this before. We've seen the Kansas City Chiefs team start hot and fizzle out towards the end. So that's two back-to-back losses. And I believe their next game is going to be against, if I'm not mistaken, the Denver Broncos, who are you know coming off a huge loss to the New York Giants. So there's a lot of parity in this division. And usually we've seen three teams in this division get into the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see which teams separate themselves as we play the back half of the season. When looking at what Kansas City has done, allowing other teams um, that were really close on the cutting edge, uh, being one of those teams that, you know, hey, they win a couple games, they, you know, they, they're in it now because Kansas City has lost the two games. Right now, if you have the Steelers beating the Cincinnati Bengals this Sunday, they're not, they now move ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. Is it too soon to determine who's the better team or the best team? Because within the next two weeks, a couple losses by certain teams who are allegedly at the top and considered as the best team, they lose. Then the complexity of the entire power rankings ends up changing. So when do you start really getting into the matrix of 
Who's the best teams in the National Football League? Is it week 10? Is it week 12? Is it a little later? When do you start getting into that mode? Corda, this is a, one of those uh, unusual years. Usually by now, uh, the top teams have pretty much cemented their, their position, even though it's kind of early on. But this is going to probably come down to, like, maybe uh, for some teams, you know, week 12, and for others, it's going to be that final game in week 16 when you're playing a division rival and you need that game to either, you know, get that, that number one or number two seed or just kind of get into the playoffs. Because right now, if you look uh, across the AFC and the NFC, everyone in the division is pretty tight. The ones, the teams at the bottom, you know, you know like the Clevelands, uh, maybe Cincinnati, th- those teams you don't really consider to be really true playoff contenders. But there's a lot of other teams that are still in the mix. I mean, who, who would have thought, you know, you look in the AFC East, you, you look how that is shaping up. There's only one game separating New England from everyone else in the division, a division they pretty much dominated for the last, you know, 12 or 13 years. And you go to the AFC South, it's still the same thing. So it's going to come down to week 12 and week 16 for a lot of these teams. But as a guy who played the game and a guy who's a fan of the game, I really – like it because now for me things are now starting to even out. Now there's some balance throughout the conferences, and you're not seeing one or two teams have this four-game lead over everyone else. Nick, let's wrap it up with a preview of Sunday Night Football Super Bowl rematch between Atlanta and the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium. Take you back to a conversation we had on Sunday with Wes Durham, longtime radio voice of the Falcons. You asked him, is this team dealing with real issues? He acknowledged that, of course, dropping back-to-back home games is troubling, plus they blew a 17-point lead against Miami. Are you buying the contrarian's point of view, the Falcons could be 5-0 and when they're a handful of plays away. No, I'm not, I'm not really buying that because going back to the game last Sunday when they lost to the Miami Dolphins coming off a of bye, if you are a playoff caliber team, first of all, you shouldn't lose to an inferior team. And Jake Cutler and that offense was definitely struggling coming in. And to me, the idea right before you play the New England Patriots you squander a 17-point lead. It's not similar to what you had in the Super Bowl, but it's a 17-point lead, and you let the Miami Dolphins come back and beat you at home. Now you have to go to Foxborough and now possibly relive the same thing that happened to you earlier this year. And I know the whole idea, and Mohamed Sanu and, and Dan Quinn were talking about, yeah, we've turned the page. But really, have you really turned the page? Because Cordell knows this. I've never played in the Super Bowl, right? The Steelers beat us for the right to go to the Super Bowl play the Seattle Seahawks. But the only way to get back and get that bad taste out of your mouth is to get back and, and win one. So this is a team that didn't perform well. And, and, and how crazy is it that, you know, in the Super Bowl, everyone's saying, well, Kyle Shanahan, you know, abandoned the run game. He didn't run the ball. But what happened against the Miami Dolphins? It was like the same thing. Kyle wasn't there. Steve Sarkeesian's offensive coordinator. They didn't run the ball. So they have to have balance, and they have to throw the ball down the field effectively if they're going to go in and beat the New England Patriots. But if they, they say they did that, it's not going to wipe out what we just witnessed earlier this year in Houston. Nick, great information as always. Hope to see you Sunday. What's going on on the home front? Are we still on baby watch, 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 watch? Yeah, baby watch 2017 is still in full effect. Uh, I will keep you guys abreast as far as what, what goes on. Hopefully he decides to hold off and uh, not come until Monday. Yeah, let's hope so, pal. <laughs> Congrats either way, babe. Yeah, congratulations most importantly, and I like to talk, but seven hours, I appreciate your 
camaraderie. <laughs> I can't do the rapping thing for Nick's pick, so I hope to see you on Sunday, all right? Well, I- I'll do my best to uh, to get there, but I'll keep you guys abreast of what's going on. Thank you, Nick. Yep. All right, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, now let's focus on today's top stories with NFL Network's Colleen Wolf. Colleen, we appreciate you taking the time, and you are ubiquitous on a Big Word Friday because I enjoy your work on the Power Ranking Show. So when you and the crew have been talking about the Cowboys recently, is there still a sense of confidence in this team despite their 2-3 and three record? guys yeah you know i think that a lot of people are sort of panicking maybe a little bit over the cowboys and i think the ezekiel elliott stuff is sort of hanging over obviously him and the team because that's a lot of uncertainty week to week it seems like it changes all the time he's in he's out he's suspended he's not but the bottom line is when he's in there which he will be this week that helps Zach prescott that helps the entire offense and, and look, I mean, they're the, they have an easy matchup, I think, this week. And the NFC at this point is wide open after Aaron Rodgers went down. When you see a team like the Dallas Cowboys having all the talent they have, they, they truly do have depth at the running back position. I know some may question that because it's Ezekiel Elliott, and then all of a sudden you say, okay, out for Mars. He hadn't played well since he was in Washington. And then you have uh, everybody else that's around him. Um, do you think this team is good enough to survive without – Ezekiel Elliott being a part of the mix once his suspension starts? I I mean, I think you you said it right there that they do have depth at the position, and both of those running backs, Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden, have showed that they're competent runners, but there's no question that Ezekiel Elliott is a game-changing running back. So when he's on the field, the the offense is totally different. That team is totally different. And whether or not it's, it's a mental thing, it's a leadership thing, it's it just it helps Dak Prescott and all of them sort of expand. And you can see that, you know, when Ezekiel Elliott's a threat on the field, it gives Dak more time. Dak can actually go to his receivers. Taking you around the league with Colleen Wolf of NFL Network. Be sure to follow her on Twitter at Colleen Wolf NFL. So, Colleen, last night you were tweeting about that insane game between the Raiders and the Chiefs. Based on the win, do you think Oakland saved their season? What a crazy game that was. It was so much fun to watch. First of all, there were so many different things that happened in that game. It's almost like you could go on for an hour about it alone with Marshawn Lynch and him getting ejected after going after Marcus Peters. The fact that there were four last plays of the game, the amount of flags were insane. And I think that that sort of was really telling because – you saw how difficult it was for the Raiders to actually get that win. But that was a drive that was maybe the most important drive of the season, as we are right now in the entire NFL. Because if they lost this game and they went to 2-5, and five, I mean, that would have that would, would wrecked their chances in 
in the AFC and their division, their division is sort of wide open right now. And the fact that Derek Carr, he looks a lot better than he looked last week. He was really stiff, I thought, last week. This week he was able to go downfield and, oh, my God, look, Amari Cooper was catching passes. And, I mean, he dropped a few, too. Yes, that happens. But he was a game changer finally again. We saw that in this game. And so I think that, you know, maybe Marshawn Lynch being ejected was a little bit of a blessing because I thought that their running back duo was a lot more effective than Marshawn is and than he has been in the games. So maybe they will, going forward, use a little bit more of them and Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. But I think that this, this game really saved their season. When watching Alex Smith in that game last night, I mean, he still had a solid game. I mean, he played well. He hit, uh, hit uh, Tariq Hill on, on some great plays, uh, throwing touchdowns down the football field. How discouraging is it to see that he can play that well, but yet the team still ends up losing a, a close game like this? Yeah, this is a team that jumped out to a 5-0 and start. And Alex Smith, he's been more than confident this season. He hasn't thrown an interception yet, though he should have thrown one last night because that touchdown to Albert Wilson, that was basically, uh, as I tweeted last night, it was like the reverse Antonio Brown, which happened to them the week before. But Alex Smith, he's been protected really well, and I think that you know they. the bottom line is they missed Eric Berry in the secondary. And when you have a team like the Raiders that pins you down right against the goal line and has that many chances because of all the penalties to go after you and over and over again, like they, if they had Eric Berry in there, I think that there would be a way different outcome. Colleen, as I mentioned, I'm a fan of the Power Rankings show because like this program, you come up with summary judgments. So if we think about the old <laughs> transitive property from math in fourth grade, Kansas City beat New England, but Kansas City has lost to Pittsburgh. Who's the best team in the AFC? Oh, my God. It's like I. this is something I wrestle with every week now because it's a crazy mixed-up NFL world we're living in right now. And I can't figure out who's the best team, especially in the AFC, because the Patriots' defense right now is just a train wreck. I can't believe that they've allowed – six straight 300-yard passers. And you're talking about, like, Josh McCown is in that group as well. So the Patriots, if they didn't have Tom Brady, they're a couple plays basically away from just having one win at home. The only win I've seen that's really been convincing from the Patriots is that game against the Saints. And there were things in every other game that could have went either way for them. And you see the Chiefs now, Alex Smith, he looks human. He looked human last week. And the fact that this week – you're making plays if you're him and, and you still can't win that game and you still can't pull it out. I have no idea who the best team in the AFC is. I think it's still the Chiefs, but last night's win is really making me think twice. How much are you buying the Arizona Cardinals now having Adrian Peterson on that roster? Wow, the ghost of Adrian Peterson's past. He's in a Cardinals jersey, which is so weird. And he played really well last week. I thought that, look, I did not see that coming at all after everything that we saw with him in the Saints offense. It just looked like he had nothing left. And he came out and ran all over the place. And that, in turn, really took a lot of the pressure off Carson Palmer. And I think one of the things that really helped them on the offensive line was getting D.J. Humphreys back and the fact that that was opening holes for – for him to just run, and it really helps with the blocking as well. And that offense, 
it was on life support, let's be honest. And now with Adrian Peterson, this is a team, they're savvy old vets, and they're going up against a very young team this week. So I'm really interested to see how they play the Rams. Colleen, we appreciate the information. Have great shows this weekend, and please give my regards to my old boss, Jeremy Luors, when you see him in Culver City. Oh, I sure will. Thank you, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Dennis Farrell from Fantasy Football Geekly. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the Fantasy Fix. And today, we're pleased to be joined by a good friend of the program, Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, thanks for taking the time once more. We live in an age of transparency. There's an electronic trail for everything. So let's go back to your outlook for Thursday Night Football when it came to a stardom or sit him out, look, what was your take on Amari Cooper? Uh, honestly, I would have actually had him on my bench. As an owner of Amari Cooper in one of my fantasy leagues, I was just so tired of taking so many zeros and one-point uh, fantasy weeks out of him. I, I'm one of those guys I would rather have a guy who's something like him and Jay on my bench until they can prove to me that they can have fantasy output. And you, you could not have predicted that predicted that against the Chiefs. I would have thought best case scenario, maybe one touchdown, 50 yards. I would have been okay with that on my bench to have somebody else in that would have given me a better chance to win. But congratulations for that. But you're not buying them cheap now. Dennis, people fell in love with OJ Howard, but now we see Cameron Britt break, excuse me, with the TD and four straight games. Will the split continue that way? I believe so. You look back at last year, and Cameron was one of the top NFL players in targets in the red zone. That's not going to change. I think O.J. Howard's going to be one of those guys that they're going to slowly ease in because he's a rookie to learn the game plan week in and week out. He's not to be trusted as a fantasy option. And even in 12-team mixed leagues, I'm not having him in my, on my roster. Cameron's the guy you want to own week in and week out. Maybe next year we can revisit this one. But this year, it's, it's Cameron's job. Fantasy Fix with our friend Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, as we think about the run-pass balance in New Orleans, we know it's all about throwing the football, but they're on the road in Green Bay. Packers don't have a great run defense, and we know that Adrian Peterson's no longer in the mix. So are you riding with Mark Ingram on Sunday? Absolutely. I feel like the three of us maybe may have a better pass for us than what Green Bay has together. And I know I'm almost 40, and I don't, I'm not fast at all. But Green Bay, Chicago, Tampa Bay, 
three great weeks coming up. Buffalo will be a little shaky. Washington's hit or miss, and so are the Rams. But Mark Ingram should be a steady 10-point-plus guy, depending on the scoring of your week in and week out. Is Samaj P. Ryan a guy to add, or with with Rob Kelly returning soon, do you think his carries will drop again? Boy, it's it's. I think it's Thompson and PPR leagues is the guy you want to own. Rob Kelly seems like a guy that just wants to take every other week off. Whether it's probably due to injury, but that Washington running back situation is nowhere where I want to be close to. Same way in Seattle, but. You can't trust Rob Kelly. You can't trust P. Ryan. Thompson is the only guy in the PPR leagues I may just want to add, but that's about it at stretch. Eagle fans have been waiting for Nelson Aguilar to come alive, dating back to when he was a first-round pick coming out of USC. Has he moved past Alshon Jeffrey now as the number one target? No, and it's not even Alshon Jeffrey's fault. It's Both of those guys are guys I don't want to add. They're going to have a couple up week and down weeks. They've got Washington and San Francisco. Maybe that's the matchup there you want to play, but Denver in a bye week. And come playoff time, even week 13, Seattle, the Rams, the Giants, Oakland, who all are pretty good at locking down top wide receivers. Zach Ertz is the guy you want to own out of all of the wide receivers there. And you know, look, Aguilar's hit or miss, and that's even tough when you have to play somebody like that. But if you have them, good luck to you, but I'm not playing them against any tough pass defenses. Some running backs throughout the league has been has been running pretty well. Adrian Peterson ended up getting a great look this last week uh, playing that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But which running back in Week 7 do you think has the best fantasy value? Give me anyone from Tampa, or Tennessee, whether it's DeMarco Murray or uh, Derrick Henry. I think against Cleveland, that's a great matchup. Camara versus Green Bay, as we were just talking about, uh, Mark Ingram. And look, Gillinsley's probably available in most of your fantasy leagues going up against Atlanta. I like that matchup for Gillinsley. He may see a touchdown here unless he fumbles and gets back into the doghouse. Talking fantasy football with Dennis Farrell. Check out the website, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis going to be challenging for anyone to surpass what Derek Carr did last night. That said, who's your number one quarterback coming up on Sunday? Man, you know, if you look at how quarterbacks have played, it's just so up and down. You know, you got Dak against San Francisco is going to be a good matchup. Mariota against Cleveland, a good matchup. Tyrod Taylor, if he's available in your league against uh, Tampa Bay, I like that matchup. I think golf has a pretty good game against Arizona. I know they, they're very sneaky with their blitz packages and whatnot, but I think golf has the tools to make Arizona look a little bit foolish. And Blake Bortles, I, I feel foolish suggesting to anybody in the world to start Blake Bortles, but against Indianapolis, I think he could have a 253 touchdown game. Are there any players you see as a value start you think could bust out in a big way this week? Any one of those guys I've mentioned, or definitely a quarterback, uh, maybe next week for Nelson Aguilar. Man, I see, that, that's a good question, because more so the downside guys, I, I will stay away from Ben against Cincinnati. And I wanted to ask you a, a personal question as being a fan of your slash. Like Cincinnati is one of those matchups that seems like go any which way any given year against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And from your expectations, how hard was it to God, I feel like a fanboy here. Sorry about this. But <laughs> how hard was it to game plan against Cincinnati year in and year out, given the fact that those matchups are kind of so bizarre world matchups for any given team. Yeah, well, the funny thing is against Cincinnati, 
because you end up having a coach that was a part of the Steelers uh, at one time in Marvin Lewis. They understood the Steelers way. Dick LeBeau was a part of that run as a coach too as well. Uh, it was it was somewhat rough. It was tough because as much as you would love to allow your scheme to be the reason, it really didn't come down to that. It, it just came because Cincinnati would come out against the Steelers and be up by 15 or 20 points, maybe three touchdowns, and, and force the Steelers to have to come from behind. So it, it kind of is one of those toss-up games when it comes down to who is the – the playmaker, the guy who scored all the touchdowns, would give you the most value in any capacity uh, because it goes back and forth. Think about A.J. McC- AJ McCarron when he had the chance to start against the Steelers in the playoffs. No one thought it would come to that, right? No one thought he would play that well. No one thought it would come down to a back shoulder throw to A.J. Green in that game. But it ended up being that way, and all of a sudden, while having the opportunity to win it, they screwed it up with a few personal fouls. But that's one of the tough matchups, to be honest, Dennis. And it goes down to the same thing with Seattle and the Rams for fantasy owners. You know, when Seattle and the Rams play, you throw any stats, any history out the door because those games could go either so low scoring or so high scoring. It's so tough. To, that's why I'm not a big fan this week of Ben Roethlisberger at Cincinnati. I really think they expose him and shut Ben Roethlisberger down, who's already slumping to begin with. Dennis, as always, we appreciate the insights as we wrap it up. Tell our listeners about the details of Fantasy Football Geekly. You know, Fantasy Football Geekly is a place to come where we don't sit there and pretend to be smarter than you guys. Uh, It's just a great old conversation where we talk fantasy football as a group. I try to have athletes and actors and different hosts on to talk about their fantasy teams. I really appreciate the uh, platform to talk, guys. Our pleasure, and because I need your help, I mentioned earlier, I stepped out in the lobby here at TuneIn today. It's not even Halloween. They have holiday music. Ho, ho, ho. Here's my stance. I'm not the Grinch. It's just too early. Cordell goes the other way. He's always in a holiday frame of mind. I need you to be the judge. Yes or no, too early to be playing holiday music here at work. Too early. I should introduce Cordell to my wife, who's already watching Hallmark Christmas movies. It makes me sick. Uh, Tick her off my hands, Cordell. She's all yours, but way too early. Uh, Dennis, she's trying to spend your money. She's just trying to spend your money. That's the problem. Your issue is she's trying to spend all the money early too, too soon. Brian, he doesn't have those problems. Brian just don't want to hear the good music. That's that's I got no money. That's that's the answer. (laughs) Every year, growing up in my household. Thanksgiving night, we turn on the Christmas lights. That's when it should start. Christmas holiday, Thanksgiving. Thank you, Dennis. You're a man of reason. We appreciate the sage analysis. Dennis Farrell, (laughs) Fantasy Football Geekly. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn. There are 70,000 people at risk of another life-threatening situation. From American politics to global events, get live 24-7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up-to-the-minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day. What a moment. Absolutely. So let's get right to it. Here's our starting line. Day or night, get live news coverage from around the world on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. 
a special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We start in upstate New York. Buffalo Bills 3-2 hosting the 2-3 Tampa Bay Buccaneers announcing today Jameis Winston, despite the shoulder injury, will start the game. Irrespective of that, I'm taking the Bills. They're going to win to improve the 4-2. How do you see it? Ooh, I tell you what, Tampa Bay. May have Ryan Fitzpatrick playing again. Buffalo, I'm going with the Bills. 4-2 Carolina on the road at 2-4 Chicago. Mitchell Trubisky coming off his first victory of his career. Unable to keep it going. I'll take the Panthers on the road. How about you? I'm going with the Bears. I'm going with Mitch Trubisky in that defense and also that running game that's pretty solid. I think it was a Jordan Howard who's the quarter, who's the runner of that game. I like that. I like going, I'm going with the Bears. And don't sleep on Tariq Cohen, the rookie, as well for the Bears. Your Tennessee Titans. Oof. Three and three. All Cleveland right, 0 and six. Guided by Deshaun Kaiser, who becomes the 20th quarterback change in 43 games. Let's hear from him. Absolutely. You know, I stayed on my same path, though, and, and you know, trusted the process. I knew that there was going to be another opportunity for uh, me to potentially play this year, and obviously it came uh, sooner than most expected. Cordell, Cleveland's going to shock the football world. They win their first game of the season. Write it down. Cleveland gets off the schneid. And how many quarterbacks you say they picked since when? 20th quarterback change in the span of 43 games. You're going with Cleveland. Yes, I'm sir. going with the Tennessee Titans. I'm going with Mike Malarkey and the Titans going on the road to beat the Cleveland Browns there in the Dull Pound. Let's go. Three and two Saints on the road at four and two Green Bay, guided by Brett Hundley. I'll take the Saints to pick up their fourth consecutive win. The Saints? Oh. I'm going to Green Bay Packers. I think Hundley actually takes care of business along with Aaron Jones, the running back that's been playing very, very well. I'm going with the Green Bay. The Cheeseheads. Let's go. Two and four Indy. Short week coming off their Monday Night Football loss to the Tennessee Titans, hosting the three and three Jaguars divisional game. Jacksonville guided by Blake Bortles. You know, I think every game that we've played so far has been huge for the fact that we want to be able to become a consistent football team and win week in and week out. I've said it before, and I know a bunch of other guys have. You know, it feels though we have the team to be able to do that win on a weekly basis, and you know, there's not a bigger game than a divisional game within the season, so it's definitely a big one going into the bye week for sure. I'll take the Jaguars on the road. How about you? I'm rocking with the Jags. The running games, I think they take them to the finish line. I'm going with the Jags. Another divisional game. L.A. Rams 4-2. They are undefeated on the road. Technically, they're the home team in London, hosting the 3-3 Cardinals led by a rejuvenated Adrian Peterson. I'm going to ram it. I'm taking L.A. to go to 5-2. How about you? I'm right with the Rams. I don't know for sure what this Arizona Cardinals offense is going to do. Look good last week. Not for sure if they're going to stick to it. I'm right with the Rams, something we know they can do very well on defense, which is play good defense. Another divisional game to be played in South Florida. The Jets, a major surprise at 3-3, three three, matching up with the 3-2 Dolphins coming off their comeback win on the road in Atlanta. I'll take the Dolphins at home. How about you? You know what? I'm going with Josh McCown. I think they get out of the cold weather and go down to Miami Beach, South Florida and play some good ball against this so-called good quarterback and Jake Curler. I'm going with the Jets. Matchup of a pair of three and three teams in Minnesota. It's the Ravens and the Vikings once more. No Sam Bradford, no Stephon Diggs. Case Keenum under center, begrudgingly. I'll pick Minnesota, make it official. How do you oh, see it? 
You're drinking the Kool-Aid, baby. You're getting to this great, too, by the way. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. I love that defense. I think Joe Flacco continues to struggle. Case Keenum, he gets it done with that backfield with McKinnon and also Murray. I'm going with the Purple People Leaders. Black and blue divisional matchup. Two and three Cincinnati on the road at four and two Pittsburgh. But don't tell Andy Dalton there's more to this game than the renewal of the rivalry. The city and everybody puts the, uh, a lot more into it than uh, than what it is. It's another game. It's a division game. It, it counts just the same. And so we obviously have a lot of guys that haven't played up there, haven't played in, in, in these type of games. But at the end of the day, it's just another football game. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers beat Kansas City last week, but they're not resting on their laurels. That's a really, really good defense. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. They've, you know, it's a familiar opponent. They know us as well. So, you know, they've got a lot of uh, the same guys over there. You know, they don't have a lot of turnover on defense. So uh, they know each other. They played together and they played together well. Steelers at home. How about you? Yes, I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's scared of Vontaze Perfect. That's why they're really good, because they know he's a dirty player. But you know what? I'm going with the Steelers. I think the Steelers get a good thing going by running the football. Let's go, Steelers. Go. Three late games. Two and three Dallas coming off the bye, matching up with winless San Francisco. This game features the starting debut of the rookie from Iowa, third-round pick C.J. Beathard. I'll take America's team. How about you? This is a great matchup, one of the old-school matchups. You know what? I'm going with the 49ers Wow. I'm going with the Niners. I think they get their first win. I think Dallas is struggling. I love my boys with the stars. Dak Prescott, no Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going with the 49ers. Three and two Seattle coming off the bye. At one and five, New York. The Giants got their first victory on the road in Denver on Sunday. They will lose this game. I'm taking Seattle. How about you? First and last win for Denver last uh, for the Giants last week. Seattle gets this because they need it badly. I think Jimmy, what is it? Jimmy Graham gets a great game this game against his defense. I'm going to see y'all. Three and two Denver on the road at two and four LA. Denver looking to sweep the season series. They will not accomplish it. I'm taking the Chargers at home. How about you? Anthony Lennon, your Chargers and Phillip Rivers, huh? I'm going with the Donkeys. I'm going with the Denver Broncos. Vance Joseph said it was his fault. I think the players play hard for him. They get a great win on the road in the StubHub Stadium. Question. How many fans do you think will be in the stadium? They'll be sold out with Denver fans. Sunday Night Football, <laughs> Super Bowl rematch, 3-2 Atlanta, on the road, 4-2 New England. I'm taking the Falcons. Yeah, I said it. Falcons. Retribution from their Super Bowl debacle. How about you? I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons losing this game against the New England Patriots. I think because they coach Bill Belichick shut the guys up to tell them not to say anything. You know, Gronk, he actually told on everybody, saying we can't say anything, we're not allowed to. I think they get this win. They beat him badly. I think they went like, let me, 31 to 25. Whoa. Something like that. Some crazy number. All the fallout on Monday, write it down. I gave you Cleveland. I gave you Atlanta. If I'm wrong, I'll deny it. That's how we roll <laughs> on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.